Yo, what's up? Welcome to Stronger Than You Think, a Ngahere Talks podcast. Stronger Than You Think is a South Auckland story about the come up of creators, innovators and entrepreneurs, building the whanau and the movement known as Tukua. That's how long I've been on ya. Episode 5, Environments to Thrive, just like a beehive, like water off a dove's back. (laughs) (laughs) Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode number 5, Environments to Thrive. We have really, really, really enjoyed putting together this um, series of podcasts. A big shout out to Anne and the team at Arkina for making it possible. Um, And every single person that's jumped on board, it's been awesome. Um... Yeah, we've really loved it. It's been a cool way to spend level three recording uh, the journey that has been took us. So today we're talking about environments to thrive. What role does space, like physical space, play in building community and capacity? I think that it plays a vital role. Um, although the interesting thing is that COVID-19 has shown us that we can continue without space, mm-hmm. but there is a definite need um, for to have those that physical space, and I think um, one of the cool people that can really uh, talk to this is Jerome. Jerome Tidy. He uses our space all the time. He's from um, South Auckland Young Entrepreneurs. He's the founder of that. He was actually in the corporate sector and is a part of our Tukua Fano. Yeah, sweet. So, hi, Jerome. How are Hello. you? Bro? Hi, Jerome. Hello. Hello. I'm good. Good to get out of the bubble. It is good to get out of the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird driving here though, and I felt like and I, and I picked myself up coming around this corner, and I was following this lady, and and um, she was driving really slowly, and I got really annoyed, and then I was like, Jerome, relax. <laughs> you literally just got on the road. The first time you're driving out the door, and you're getting annoyed at traffic straight away, and it's like two cars. Like, but I had to pick myself up on that. I was like, what? What's going on? Yeah. Relax. Relax. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's good. We're not in a hurry anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> new COVID, new us. Yes. <laughs> Whatever that means. Now, nah, cool, bro. So, what? Um, tell us. Let's first of all touch on what um, what took has been like for you. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh, to, we're talking about being honest. Yeah, when yeah, I first yeah. came in, when I first uh, heard about Tuku, I thought well, this is another program that I need to be a part of because I've receive some funding from Foundation North <laughs> totally. Soul, tick their box and go, yeah, cool, I'm attending your program. 100%. Um, and then I thought, all right, I'll just go along. And, and I'm always big on on just learning about people and I've mm. always been a big people person, so I'm always keen to learn what people do and how they operate. So I thought, okay, well, I'll turn up. Um, and on hindsight, reflecting on those sessions after I'd leave, I'd like, man, the, the value that you get out of being around like-minded people, uh, I... I put it down to uh, almost a type of group resilience yeah. that you gain oh, out of it. Cool. Um, and, the, and the way I see that is you are all kind of on the same page in terms of facing challenges. They might be slightly different mm, yeah. um, in their, the way that they work, but um, you, you're all kind of in this similar phase of whether or not you, you go left or you go right or you go straight ahead or you jump this fence or jump that <laughs> fence and you're like, Hey, I'm not alone. Yeah, and it almost uh, it, it makes you feel like we can do this. So it's like yeah. a group effort, even though you're individually running your own businesses. It's mm. like we can we can do this. Mm. 
um, and I want to uh, succeed not just for myself, but because I know other people are like, how are you going? What's going on? And I feel like that is the bit that I talk about when I say group resilience. It's like you have this n- another level uh, of wanting to persevere and wanting to continue and wanting to succeed, which wouldn't come about if I was sitting at home on my desk by myself mm. day in, day out, trying to make things work. Um, yeah. So that was a big thing that I think That's got awesome out of Tukua. Yeah, yeah, and um, just I, I use the same analogy or example when I'm talking to uh, my students about resilience because you talk about personal resilience um, and getting around like-minded people, but I haven't experienced it until I was a part of Tukua and running my own business at the same time. Yeah. Corporate world's quite different. You don't need that so much because you just need to do what you're mm. tasked to do. Here, I can turn it off and not do it. But then I would have <laughs> got no business. Yeah, yeah. So I need that sort of support to go, Don't come on, we can do luxury, this. Eh? Yeah. 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 That's really cool, Jerome. Mm. That's really cool to hear. You know, like you touched on it earlier uh, about, you know, getting out of your office at home or and coming into a space. Um, and out of all the Tukua participants, actually, you're probably one of the ones that really was utilising the space mm. to run what you're doing out of here. Um, and you were kind of just getting crank- cranking as yeah. then, you know, COVID hit, shut down. Um, I guess I'm just interested to hear from you, especially of thinking of keeping in mind creating environments to thrive. Yeah. How, how has that impacted your prog- or what you're delivering and, mm. and shifted and how important, I guess, does the space play in yeah. building that community? Um, so, so a few challenges uh, that I experienced. My, one being in this uh, in the space in Tihau was uh, amazing, an awesome venue for one. But just being able to gather in a spot was, and uh, in, in a spot that was local to everyone, that everyone felt like it was home, kind of, you know, in, yeah. in central Monaco. That was a, a big thing. Uh, but then when we um, transitioned, that was when I realised the value that the space brought was when we yeah. transitioned online. And because online I thought, cool, I know how to use Zoom and I can do <laughs> webinars and, I can, and, I, and I'm pretty good at uh, being able to run a virtual seminar and I can use the whiteboard and I can do all this sort of stuff. So everything that I can do in a class, I can do online because I felt like I was quite yeah. technically savvy. Mm. Um, not taking into account all the lagging that happens and all the people <laughs> that are trying to log in and all the people that are on mute and they're talking. And they're like, hey, you're on and mute, I can't your, hear you. Why, why is your video you, turned <laughs> off? Why is your video turned off? It's all right. I need a haircut too, but I haven't had a haircut. What <laughs> Just turn your cameras on. Turn your, but all of those ch- technical challenges, I was like, okay, um, we'll get past those. I can at least get the content across. Um, but as a facilitator, a big part of me understanding that the learning is – getting across and that people are engaged is judging their body language and actually going, cool, yeah. how are we going? And looking around the room and going, Definitely. man, these guys are soaking it up and you can see the light bulb moments by their body language, yeah. not necessarily by the words that come out of their mouth. Um, and it's hard when you've only can see their eyes and sometimes you can only see the eyes above their mouth. <laughs> and you're like, where's the rest of your face? I'm trying to read your body language and I can only see your forehead. Um, you're not really giving me much. Uh, so that has been a real challenge and, and and a, and a frustrating challenge, I think, for a facilitator because you yeah, you really want to make sure that, that you're getting some real value out there. Um, I know that I operate better, build rapport quickly, uh, build relationships a lot easier when I'm with someone. Mm. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I had that time before we went digital 
to build those relationships yeah, yeah. would have been a real challenge for me to try and start a program, even if we were one or two weeks in and then went digital onto Zoom. Uh, I know I wouldn't be getting the same value yeah. and feedback that I've been getting from the students. So the feedback's been amazing on what value they've got out of the program, which I'm thankful for. How, yeah, it was cool to hear. It was cool to hear what the brother Q had to say about this too and what it, the difference between. I mean, even though he's now working in his car because he's got a bubs <laughs> inside for his meetings. Hey, Q. Kia ora. How are you? Hey, kia ora. I'm awesome, man. How are you? Yep, yep. Good, thank you. What are you up to, bro? You're just cruising around the hood. Yeah, I'm, I'm just um, pretending I'm cruising around in the hood. I miss <laughs> getting out. There we go. <laughs> awesome. What would be some of the like, like the benefits that you could see in the time that you were in here as a as a co working space user? Oh man, probably just some of the all. To be honest, probably some of the default stuff, man. Like at that time and up to now, I've been working at home, so just having a space outside of home um, was super super handy. Um, and also too, like I've got a baby now, eh? so like um, business and running business at home is getting like a little bit harder, sort of. Yeah. Um, you know, the balancing act of uh, <laughs> being dad, and so having having a space like yours is um, you know, just super super handy, and, and really really just allows me to like um, be able to just go work to do work. You know mm. what I mean? Um, yeah. So okay. that's probably one of the biggest, to be honest. Um, and then just having access to all of the awesome people that come in is super super awesome. There's so many different people from different walks of life, and um really really helps you know having extra people around when you're that solo solo entrepreneur <laughs> yeah it really does, <laughs> pushing eh? hard and trying to get through it honestly yeah. people just having people around you even if they're not a part of your business um, but seeing them at the old kitchen making a cup of tea having a quick chat you know yeah. all of that really really creates a really really cool um sort of way to um, continue and keep pushing and keep doing business <laughs> you know one of the um one of the things that's been really interesting on this journey of building teha building ahere building tukua is um coming up against different comments and different perspectives from people who don't necessarily believe in what we're trying to create um and it's been really fascinating to me how many and i don't know this comment might get me in trouble but that's all right i'm always in trouble um (laughs) is how many, like, Pākehā men have taken it upon themselves to share their opinion with me, which is that if you try and create anything that's just for Māori or just for Pacifica, um, especially when it comes to things like business and business development, um, that they're not going to be able to cut it in the real world. Um, And I've had, like... People say stuff exactly like that. People saying, if you make it for Māori and Pacifica, then it's going to be ex- exclusive. People are going to feel left out. People are not going to engage in it. Um, and having to deal with that on a constant, consistent basis, I mean, one probably points to the reason why something like this is so important. But the other thing it did made me make me think about as well um, and forced me to... Like, there was two ways I could take this. I could either just conflict with these guys and argue and get angry... Um, I probably wouldn't just walk away. No, I might just walk away. Um, or I could find a way to convince them and help them understand why it's so important. And it was through these interactions that I was able to really articulate that every person, every living being needs, or every living being has the ideal environment it needs in order for it to thrive. 
and they're all different. And that I think that kind of really points to what we're trying to create here. How do we create an environment where Māori and Pacifica, South Aucklanders, feel that they can be their best selves, where they can thrive in an environment that accepts them, that feels like home, that feels like something that their whānau would do. Um, and that's really guided us along the way. I remember talking about um, the boys at Maui Studios down in Christchurch, um, led by Vinny and his bro, Luke, I think. Um, I remember going down to visit them for the first time and walking into their studio, and I just loved the fact that on the walls they had, like, um, cartoon drawings of different atua, um, and they were all practising for the kapaka regionals, so as you were talking to them, they were, like, practising their haka moves, and then <laughs> one of the boys had a black eye because he got hit with the tayaha, <laughs> and then one of their cousins comes in and brings the baby in, and she sits over there and breastfeeds Bubba um, while everyone else keeps working, and, and I think that's something that's so different um, to what, I guess, corporate Auckland or corporate New Zealand thinks the environment should be for you to thrive in the business world. Yeah. And we all just completely disagree with that and know that there are different types of environments where our people can thrive in the business world. Um, one thing I am, in case you couldn't tell, if it didn't sneak in my Australian accent, I was actually born and raised in Australia. And um, I didn't grow up in an environment with a lot of Māori mm. um, I think I was 12 years old when I met my first brown friend and she was Cook Island and mm. I was instantly drawn to her because I was like, she looks like she could be Māori and so we hit it off straight away. Anyway, um, I grew up in an environment with, uh, you know, predominantly European, Asian sort of cultures, oh, actually a lot of um, like Italian, Greeks in Australia, in Sydney and when I moved here to New Zealand. I moved here in 2002. I think I was about 28. Mm. Um, and I was shocked by the culture of that tall poppy syndrome. Mm. Of that. Um, and just even um, the way when I interacted with some of my Māori, like my whānau and, you know, met friends, that uh, they would f um, almost be intimidated by white people or mm. people with money or and, and that that struck me yeah. really but I didn't understand it at first but years down the track and understanding our history a lot better mm. there is that um well you know that systemic racism that exists and th sadly that is still prevalent today with our people you know with our the culture that we're in and um the the crew that we have you know, and I think that's why we fight so hard for to make sure that our people actually have the same level of access mm. to everything that any other person also has access to. Mm. 100%. And why we have committed, I think, to going on that journey to achieve that, that it's not just a quick fix, it's not an overnight thing, it's not like a we just set up a co-working space, now everyone come we've actually got to walk alongside our people as well so that we can actually all grow and thrive together. Yeah. It's, it's a tough journey, eh? But, and that was that was a bit of a deep um, 
a deep and a hard topic, but something that has been a huge part of our journey and something we continue to to come up against. Um, and the reality is sometimes just the fact that you are a brown woman means the idea coming out of your mouth is not as attractive to some people um, if it was coming out of someone that was white and male. And unfortunate as that is, it is um, our reality. Yeah, but on, it's not on one that we... Basis. Yeah, and but the cool thing is is that we don't accept that. Yeah, it doesn't hey, hold us that's, back. That's the thing. And the yeah. thing is, that's the challenge. And how flippant awesome is it when you when you win people over, eh? Yeah. You know, when you show them that, oh, yeah. Exactly. And when you meet people that genuinely do back you and and people that genuinely want to see you succeed, that's, that's I think, where the magic is. And, yeah. and so I think some of the, the cool organisations, this is a real nice way to lighten the mood a little <laughs> bit, but some of the cool organisations that we get to work with and that have started, you know, using the space heaps, um, organisations like Arkina Foundation and Foundation North, where they um, decided to locate a staff member out here once, at least once a week, if yeah. not more often than that, so they could get a lot more engaged in, in the community of South Auckland and the community at Te Hao Monaco and they could have some of their own interactions there or or do what they want to do. Um, people like Tipuni Kokiri and, and AT yeah. who are consistently there walking the journey with us yeah. and, and jumping on board with the, the different things that we have to say. Um, so you remember Sandy, we introduced Sandy from Foundation North. Hey you Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity to to be based out south. I mean, we've we've definitely done um, what we called our walk-in funding sessions in, in different spaces and places around Auckland, and we do vocational hiding up to Northland as well, which is part of the Foundation North Rohe. Um But I guess yeah, what was really challenging for us doing that was um, we would spend so much time moving around and setting up, and and um, sometimes people would find it hard to know where we were going to be or that there'd be quite a wait. So with the opportunity to connect into what was happening at Teha, it, it just made sense for us. And we've got a few staff, including myself um, and Natasha, who are, who are out south. So actually, yeah. was it much more sensible for us to, to be present there and to be able to do what we needed to do there. So we hugely appreciated the meeting room space, the hot desking space, just being able to, to come there and connect to whoever else was, was using the space at the time, as well as be able to have uh, community groups come and check, with and check in with us through our South Auckland Connect sessions mm. monthly. Um, yeah, so, th- so it's just a great space. And then on top of that, uh, we've had a few, I think, board and committee meetings maybe uh, in the downstairs area of Taha as well, so a really great space to be able to bring our trustees to. And, yeah, it just it's just a... A really lively, vibrant space, and um, great to have something like that out south. And then I think on top of that, um, knowing that our innovators often are rushing around doing all these different things, um, to be able to have a space where they could come to with like-minded people was really attractive as well. You know, to be able to mm-hmm. say, "Hey, if you want to pop in and use that to your hot desking, um, if you want to use that just as a space to be away and, and focus." Um, yeah, and, and to have all the resources right at your fingertips um, was, yeah, a, a really important thing that we could see uh, through through the Chikor program as part of that package would be offered to, the, to our innovators. So, yeah, I just love the idea of hubs, spaces where people can connect, um, where amazing things can happen quite organically or where you can have quite set meetings but in an environment that I think is... Um, a bit freer than, than your sort of typical office building. So, yeah, there was a lot yeah. to, 
to um, value and, and being able to be part of the kiha. You keen for some online shopping? Me too. You got to check out Kone, Aotearoa's marketplace for Aotearoa brands. Kind of like Kmart, but Aotearoa products. Yeah. Check it out at www.kone.nz. Um, so we learnt pretty quickly after our sort of first trial of Tukua or in our data analysis, if you like, um, we did learn quickly that even though space is valuable, it, is, it isn't actually what people were wanting. It was more of like... Yeah, um, like office space, eh? Before yeah, like office space, hot desking. A and desk and Wi-Fi, you can get it at McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Or a cafe for yeah. free. Um, and so we realised that, okay, this wasn't netting us enough revenue and the space wasn't being utilised to its full. So we got into the boardroom as a team mm. and we just brainstormed some ideas as we do. Um, Bob's really great at leading the team and those sort of brainstorms get everyone thinking outside mm. of the box and collectively um, sort of came up with a with a plan to sort of do a refit a really uh, on a tight budget. It was a small budget that we – well, we had no budget to work with actually, <laughs> but um, – and we decided to create a like a working um, a cafe type vibe called Founders, eh, Bob? Why yep. don't you tell us a bit more about that? Okay, um, so we did. The refit was upon us. Um, so we looked at a bunch of different things. We looked at the best layout of the office space upstairs so that we could maximise, um, you know, a nice space for the people that were there permanently, that were in there every single day, a nice space for people that were just dropping in as hot desk users, yeah. um, a nice space where people could run workshops because the upstairs space is pretty cool. It's, you know, carpeted. It's got a nice vibe, lots of natural light, a little bit of a view over the Monaco CBD. Um, and then on the ground floor, we were like, how do we use this footpath, like this foot traffic better? The, you know, there's windows all around, people walking past all throughout the day. It could be a cooler vibe for hot desking. So then, we yeah, we popped up Founders Cafe yep. as a concept just to try it out. So we were running it. Whatever days the building, the downstairs space wasn't booked, we'd open it up as a free co-working cafe. And so we did that for a few months, actually. It went really, really well. Yeah. Um, and then we intended on on scaling that up and making that more um, a part of what we were doing. But it just – essentially it just became one of those things that we – it wasn't high enough on the priority list yeah. for us to do because we've always had a lean team, like a small team. We've always had just enough money to get by. Mm. Um, that unfortunately not everything that you want to do or not every opportunity you have before you, you can work on. So I feel like that's something there that's just sitting a little bit dormant. But the cool thing about it is that we... Um, we really got to learn how people could interact with the space in lots of different ways. Yeah. And then the other thing we did with that was we set up the studios idea. And that was pretty cool. That's still something that I really love where we turned th uh, three of the four downstairs uh, like meeting rooms that we had that weren't getting too much bookings. Like the boardroom was getting heaps of bookings that we had yeah. three other rooms that were barely making any money. So we're like, let's change these up. Let's let's make some different spaces where people can come and hang out and collaborate together. So um, that was when we worked with Ray. Uh, and you heard from Ray um, earlier on about what he did with Game Tan. Yeah. We worked with Ray to set up a gaming studio. Um, and then we had a couple of iterations of setting up this design studio, which is now where... Um, and the Ngahiri Creators are based. Um, and then we've also got this pop-up studio that people can jump in and use um, yeah. for whatever that, that might be, if it's a pop-up shop or um, 
a pop-up exhibition or pop-up little tattoo parlor, whatever, whatever they want to do. Um, so that studio's idea was really cool. It, it was, um, yeah, just a different way, a more creative way for people to collaborate and use space together. Yeah. And that did work. Collaboration happened. And, you know, I love that. I think what that whole season really speaks to is our ability to be able to, to pivot on yeah. our idea. That was, yeah. you know, just a, a prime example of pivoting, of being agile and being able to adapt to your situation. Like, I just think we did that so awesomely. Yeah. And the reality is you have to, eh? Like, you have to be able to... If if the money's not coming in, there's a few different things that you can do, but generally it means that people don't want what you have to offer. Yeah. So you got to change it, and you got to make it something that people want to use. Um, there's things like timing, and there's things like storytelling and marketing and stuff like that. But there's also just the plain and simple fact that you're not offering what people want to people want to offer. And the same and the same thing goes for Tukua. Like we've just continued to build Tukua and develop it. Um, while we when we changed the spaces, that was another way for us to engage um, our Tukua dudes. Yeah. Like like Ray, his opportunity to build and use a studio and use studio space, which you know changed, like it meant so much to him and his family. Yeah. Um, that is just an important part of Tukua, as say showing up to a workshop or doing a one on one. It was practical. It was what he needed at the time. Yeah. Uh, same with Raph. You know, Raph was trying a new hustle with Mustard Seed Creator Studio. So we were like, here's a, here's a creative studio. We're trying to do some stuff with creatives. Why don't you use it and see what you can create from here? So that gave us some cool different options on how we could approach um, supporting our Tukua Fano. One of our favourite... No, nah, I better not say favourite. One of the awesome um, she is our OGs star. Yeah, <laughs> on our, on our <laughs> Tukua crew is... Atta Collier, she's got a really cool business called Pity Power. Um, and if you haven't heard the podcast on Atta, she's got one over on our Made of Monaco uh, podcast series. Go check it out. Um, but, man, the, the energy and stuff that Atta brings is real cool. Yeah. Like, for someone like you, you know, a Māori entrepreneur, Māori woman, what does it mean to you to have a space like Ngahire to come into? Oh, it's, it's I don't know, how old is that's beautiful. So I could choose to work from home and do what I do at home. But when you come into Ngahere, there's a sense of mahi and whanaungatanga. And, and like, I feel like coming to Ngahere, you can get it done. You can get your mahi done there rather than muck around at home or be distracted yeah. or, um, and, and it feels beautiful. It, it, there's, a, there's a crazy beautiful feeling there like um yeah where you just can mahi yeah and and like the, the, you, you got your best team there is amazing i could just ask anybody for anything and if you can help you help so i think like even printing my stuff sometimes in, or doing the photos i think you're just intimidating that's all okay okay Sure. <laughs> whatever, whatever you mean. Slightly like, like busy, but you know, hey, and you guys always have your um, chocolates and biscuit cookie jar full. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's Becky. a necessity. That's Becky for you. So, you know, now um, as we are saying this, it's Monday the 4th of May. Um, 
in September this year will mark two years since we've been open at Te Hau Manuka, and it's pretty amazing. I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to achieve in that short amount of time yeah. with the people that we have. Um, but it's been really interesting, like you brought up Tall Poppy earlier, Bob, and it's been interesting to see along the journey how many people there have been that um, have said things like, oh, I'm really glad to hear you guys are still going. <laughs> Like it's almost like people are just expecting or waiting for us to fail, yeah, or waiting for it to just all crumble or like so they can be like, "See, I told you it was never going to work." Um, and that's like, I mean, I think that's it's part of the journey and it, it sucks, but it's also one of the things that I think is really important that you're aware of when you take on big challenges or you take on the journey of entrepreneurship is that resilience towards people especially in New Zealand that are just going to cheer for you to not succeed uh, totally and I think that this is where the self-development kicks in right yeah. because you have to battle against that and I think that as you develop yourself and your confidence you c- that that actually becomes a driving mm. force in what you do yeah totally but there are there are multiple people that I know of that I feel like they're just sitting there um waiting for the whole concept to fail because they told me so you know this is the cool thing is like we talked a little bit before about the refit and founders and how that was just so um a great example of us as a business having to pivot one of the key things with innovation is the ability to be able to pivot really quickly and to be able to understand what you're doing what you're learning from it and how you need to change what you're doing um, and it's pretty cool because the South, uh, the South Auckland Innovation Fund that um, Foundation North have set up, as a team, they're always trying to be innovative. But when we had our chat to Sandy the other day, it was really cool to hear what she had to say. Yeah. I think it's such a, um, an important trait for innovators and entrepreneurs is the ability to pivot really comfortably and, and really organically. And I noticed that for most of the um, groups that were funded through through the South Auckland Innovation Fund, they have reacted just in, in such an amazing way during this COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown. Mm. You know, whilst I think maybe some, some people might have felt quite frazzled by it all, um, when you've got an innovation mindset, when you've got an entrepreneurial mindset, you thrive on challenges, you thrive on, you know, having to overcome a problem. So yeah. it's been really interesting to watch that behaviour. And I think that's where the match was with Tukua once again, it was knowing that Nahiri would be able to um, tailor it to whatever it needed to be. So whoever turned up, whoever joined the program, um, and knowing that we were introducing some not for clearly not for profit groups rather than um, sort of business orientated um, yeah. enterprises, I think that was we still feel really, felt really comfortable about that because we knew that um, whatever needed to happen it would it would happen and that we would be able to continue to have conversations and check in and and sense make together and Mm. yeah so even though it was a short period I think there was quite a significant change to the program because you were already really observant and and listening to what the participants were wanting and needing and I think that's just such a, a powerful change to how some other programs sometimes run where you know it gets rolled out the design's quite finalized Mm. um that's not going to work for innovators. Innovators, just by their very nature, um, need things to, to change and, and yeah. the ability yeah, to pivot. As soon as you finish writing the plan, so, yeah, it's already so old. Yeah. 
I mean, yes, that's literally true. <laughs> you said it perfectly before when you said that constantly pivoting is quite natural in entrepreneurship. It's just a natural part of the process, mm. and it's so true. I totally agree with that. And then the bro Andy, I mean, obviously he's had to um, pivot a whole bunch of us while he was here on team with us, and then <laughs> even as we're going through Tukua and things are constantly changing all the time, and it's it's not always easy. It really isn't. It can be really hard to say goodbye to things sometimes and yeah. it can be hard to change, um, especially if it feels like it might be like if it, if it might make you feel unsettled or something you were depending on is about to change. Yeah. Um, so being, being able to pivot and being able to innovate isn't for the faint-hearted, but um, Andy's been a real soldier through all of that. Hey, Andy, what's it been like for you, bro? I think Tiko has become a thing that I'm only realizing it now. It's something that we're designing now for us like three, four, five years ago. Yeah. Like if this was around three, four, five years ago, I'm going, man, I get in goosebumps, honestly. Like <laughs> where would Andy make be now? Like, you know, or where would whatever I was involved in be now? Um, so that's, for me, that's like, that's super exciting. You know, that's part of the, oh man. Honestly, getting me pumped like that. He's like, yeah, and and sweating it up, getting hot, Andy. <laughs> oh man! I think that that ultimate dream that we've always had for our community and for Te Hao Manukau and for Ngahiri communities, I feel like Tukua is the thing that is driving us to actually see that happen. Yeah, and actually see that take place. I had a really cool comment on a a comment on a comment that I put on Facebook a Facebook post yesterday that I was tagged in, um, the comment to me was, the people that I've been meeting that have come through your community at Ngahere are really, really interesting. Good things are coming your way because of all of your creative ideas. And I, th- I, was, I was really encouraged by that. Cool. It was really nice to hear yeah. that, that the ripple effect of what we're doing is touching people that... That we even have a ripple. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, closing. like one thing that we have, yeah, what, uh, that we haven't talked about yet is, um, I know the Tukua team has sort of shifted and oh, we haven't changed that much, but I feel like, you know, especially with COVID-19, um, I want to shout out to Mel. Um, I mean, I think all three of us, like we've got, just enough, uh, not just enough, we've got like sort of like different perspectives and skills, similar hearts for these businesses. Um, and I think that that's something that maybe we shouldn't miss out too. Like, um, that, yeah, like, I don't know, by luck or by fortune that we've managed, the three of us have managed to like be on this together um, and bring our different weirdness to it and make it what it is to support people you know, in the way that they've been supported. But, yeah, it's a shout-out to you, Mel. Um, I think COVID, I know, like, it was tricky, you know, up front, but also I think, yeah, like, your leadership, um, especially centred around our participants, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, uh, putting them first and um, focusing on, yeah, on their needs, you know, and, and just leading, like, how well we're pivoting and how well we're communicating with the crew. Um I don't think, yeah, we should, I don't want to under, under, yeah, undervalue or like miss Thank that you. part of the conversation out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like totally you're welcome. Um, and just, yeah, I just feel like, yeah, it's an awesome privilege to, for me to, you know, that temptation as well of like trying to do everything, but 
to be part of something where you do just double down on what you're good at, but you know, yeah. give it two cents and, and just focus on it. And I think that's how Toko is run is, is also how the value is created, how people are supported, how, you know, what makes the businesses we're helping, like what's making our support successful. Um, it's because we support each other and then we're a team that's open to feedback. Um, and yeah, I was, I, I pretty much don't want to shy away from just saying like how epic the three of us have worked together, um, to make it what it is. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Andy. Appreciate that, bro. Well, it's been awesome um, having this time to just sit down and actually reflect and tell our story. And um, we hope that you get some good insights into um, not only what we're doing, but just what's generally going on out here in South Auckland. And just a huge shout out to Akina for Akina. wanting to even hear our story mm. and, <laughs> and our insights. And um, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled for... Tukua. Tukua. Thanks so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Um, if you want to hit us up, please hit us up. You'll find us on all social media channels at Ngahere Communities um, or right here at Te Hau Manukau 2 Osterley Way as soon as we get back down to level, level two. 2, we think. But thanks for joining us. We've appreciated it. We'll catch you up on the next podcast series, whatever that may be. Bye. See you later. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. We just want to give a quick shout out to the Arkina Foundation and the Impact Initiative for helping make this podcast happen. Check them out at arkina.org.nz or theimpactinitiative.org.nz. Also, you can reach out to us at Ngahiri Communities. You find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Spotify, anywhere. Just check us out. Catch you soon.